The Dauntless Gambit by Eric Flowers. Narrated by Chris Lynch. Episode 23, A Bit of an Intelligence Incident. Clark's computer chimed the unique tone that indicated another priority message had arrived from somewhere within the upper levels of the Imperium Intelligence community. It had been three days of non-stop activity. The attack on Starview had occurred mid-morning, no doubt coordinated so the news would reach the capital city just after mid-morning. Clark and his staff had worked through the first night and into the next day. The second night was not much better, but he'd managed to sleep in his office for two hours before another priority message demanded his attention. He'd visited the agency locker rooms to shower and change, but other than the ten-minute ride with Agent Siddig, Clark had not left the building. There was no end in sight, and since the defense minister had yet to follow through on reducing 5E's funding, Clark and everyone else was on the clock. Clark set down the data pad he'd been reading and checked his computer. It was another OS9 priority brief. This one was a summary of Starview system logs and a hypothesis on how attackers made it onto the station without passing through any checkpoints. This brief had an elevated classification level, directors and above. Apparently, OS9 was proposing a hypothesis around Imperium insider facilitation and collusion. Big surprise. Clark grunted and closed the report. At least they were catching up. OS9 had good people, quality analysts, and leaders he trusted. Not all of them could be compromised. He sighed, squinting as he pinched the bridge of his nose. Agent Mori had barely made it out, but she'd made it. That was what mattered. Agent Siddig's clever sleuthing into her whereabouts had given them a sliver of hope. She was out there, able to move without eyes on her. He couldn't say the same for himself. Here on Kestris, Clark was completely surrounded. The score was two to zero. First the Dauntless. That was egregious. But the impact on the Empire was insignificant. It still had not been made public. He could award Agents Mori and Siddig a point for recovering intel that implicated a source on the Terminus but Clark had kept his own win column at zero. He was supposed to stop these things before they happened. Whoever was orchestrating these attacks was working so far over the visible horizon that the Starview Station attack, the second point scored, completely shocked the public and filled Clark with a bitter, impotent anger. It wasn't a fair fight. Most of the fights Clark had faced in the past hadn't been fair either, but at least they'd been fights. If powerful forces inside the Imperium wanted to sabotage it from the inside, that wasn't even a fight. It was an unwitting march to their own execution. And it was working, too. It had been three days, and the Empire was already mobilizing. Not just against the Red Kestrels, but against any possible future hostility as well. A terror attack on a major civilian transport hub that orbited the Imperium home planet was a decisive political victory for an enemy of the Imperium. However, the Red Kestrels remained silent. They'd issued no statement and made no denials. Perhaps they'd realized the magnitude of what they'd done and were having second thoughts. By this point, anyone behind the plot would know they'd be seen as irredeemable in the eyes of the public once their identities were confirmed and broadcast to every corner of the sector. Win or lose, they'd be branded as Imperium enemy number one. As for him, Clark wondered if he'd always brand himself as irredeemable as well for missing it. The intercom chimed, rousing him. Clark felt as if he'd been asleep with his eyes open. It was Agent Birch. Clark reached forward and tapped the answer button. Yes? Director, Agent, er, pardon me, Commander Rennick Tao was in the lobby, demanding to be let past security. 
he has been informed that due to his recent move to military command structure, he no longer has authorization to enter restricted civilian areas. He was invited to schedule an appointment. Clark settled back into his chair, feeling a rush of energy sharpen his mind. He had figured Rennick would show up. In fact, he was a little surprised it had taken him this long to react. Oh? I take it the commander wants something a little more immediate? Birch continued. Indeed, sir. For reasons he will not share, he has brought a master at arms and a Navy police arrest team with him. Our security has stopped them, and from the looks on the master at arms' face, he's as confused as we are. Commander Tao does not have any warrant, nor have we been informed of any arrest order. How would you like us to proceed? Clark grinned. He'd been looking for a more straightforward fight. This should prove to be a stimulating encounter. By all means, send him in. Yes, sir. Agent Birch's voice lowered. Would you like security posted at your office door? No need. I suspect Commander Tao will realize he just wants to talk. Please instruct security to let him through, alone. Clark looked at the closed door to his office, imagining Rennick making his way through the halls, the stares and looks from his estranged former 5E colleagues filling each step with a new sense of indignation. He should have known that this stunt would never fly. The fact that he tried it anyway was a clear indicator that this was the perfect chance for Clark to probe the potentially erratic Rennick for intelligence. Clark had not had any meaningful interaction with Rennick in quite some time. Rennick had left the chain of command for another 5E director's group over three years ago, and had spent most of the time since distancing himself from 5E as a whole, working himself into the fleet marshal's world. At the time, Clark had assumed the goal of moving into OS9 was Rennick's way of skipping rank and attaining a hefty promotion. He had to admit, bypassing that altogether and jumping into the command of an entire division was impressive. That the timing of this jump coincided with the Starview attack was a fact not lost on Clark. The office door slid open, its edges barely retreating in time to Miss Rennick's shoulders as he marched through wearing a military uniform, deep blue and plain like the fleet marshals. Uniform styles had evolved since Clark had worn one, and Rennick seemed to be cut like something he would expect to find in a fashion boutique rather than a barracks. The shoulders were more square, the collar higher, and two rows of buttons ran from collarbone to waist down the outer edges. The sharp, angled lines matched the infuriated ones of Rennick's expression as he launched into his predictable opening question, the tightness in his voice a clear indicator his mouth was in front of his thoughts. Where is she? Clark leaned slightly to the side and watched until his office door slid closed, then turned his attention back to Rennick. Commander Tao? I suppose we are on the same pay grade now, with your unprecedented promotion and all, but you understand if I need to keep this impromptu meeting short, Clark said flatly, gesturing casually to the intentionally blanked out screen of his computer. Rennick came right up to the desk, his legs touching its edge. I will not play games with you, Elias. You don't understand the influence of my new position. Now, the Section 42, where is she? He'd used Clark's first name. Was Rennick really using first-year interrogation training tactics? So much for not playing games. Clark was happy to engage. He glared at Rennick, his irritation unhidden. She? I'm afraid you'll need to be more specific. I've got a bit of an intelligence incident occupying my thoughts. Rennick's eyes burned as he spoke, a sharp contrast to his frozen face. Samantha. Ah, Clark nodded, expression saddening. Agent Mori. You are correct. We recently were forced to classify her as Section 42, 
which is standard protocol when an asset doesn't respond to an escalating series of attempts to establish communication. Clark paused, confusion wrinkling his forehead as if he just realized something. I'm sorry, Commander. Why were you looking again? I understand you may be concerned with your former colleague. I can answer any questions you may have, provided the answers are cleared for interagency collaboration. OS-9 has clearance, but I don't believe the Special Division of Navy Investigators have filled out the proper forms. Rennick's eyes tightened at the jumbling of his division's name. Drop this pretense. Samantha would not turn against the Imperium. This is a part of some sort of... some deception! Rennick stumbled over the last words, his face flaring. Clark had never seen him so impulsive. Rennick couldn't possibly think storming into Clark's office would result in anything other than embarrassment. If he wanted to know about Samantha's status, he could have made the proper requests and had everything sent to him within hours. That he'd come all this way revealed a serious lack of premeditation. Perfect. Commander Tao, Clark said, keeping his patronizing tone just heavy enough to be noticed. I can assure you, there are no deceptions. You are mistaken, reading things into an unfortunate situation, the disappearance of a former colleague. Rennick leaned forward, placing a hand flat on Clark's desk, his words clipped and matter-of-fact. Her status was updated to Section 42, but there was no alert, no announcement. A lost agent is a matter of Imperium security. Why was I not informed? Rennick seemed to be finding a voice that matched his new military uniform. Too bad Clark had 30 more years' experience with these kinds of discussions. He summoned a tone fit for admonishing a recruit caught asleep on guard duty. Informed of what? A Section 42 is a matter for agency internal affairs. It does not concern the Navy. Agent Mori was a friend to many here, and it is unfortunate we are put in this position. Further detail will be made available when a proper investigation has been conducted according to established agency guidelines. Bullshit, Clark! Rennick outstretched his arms and pointed aggressively across the desk. You know exactly where she is. I know how you work, how this agency works. This big act about protocol and propriety is what we used for keeping outsiders off balance. I know, Clark. I can recognize a doctored mission record when I see it. Clark's eyes looked at the outstretched finger, then back to Rennick a genuine disgust filling his voice. You resigned your position in this agency, Commander, and are no longer a civilian employee. You wanted to sit in the big chair at Gallo's table. You got it. You're in the Navy now, sailor, which means you follow rules and regs. Or didn't you read the brochure? It also means you'll respect that I cannot discuss internal affairs with unauthorized personnel. Rennick snorted, face wrinkling. Unauthorized? I spoke to Samantha personally not four days ago. She was happy to invite me into her apartment. There was no indication of any of this. Clark smiled. Wasn't there? Well, sounds like she wasn't as interested as you had assumed. I thought you were supposed to be a spy. Rennick placed his other hand on the desk, nearly leaning across the entire thing. He broke eye contact, his face barely containing his rage. Oh, the artificially elevated commander should have played it cool, backed off, shown Clark that he wasn't on the hook. That would have been the smart move. Instead, Rennick was feeding Clark volumes of information through his body language alone. It appeared that Samantha's disappearance had inadvertently accomplished something normally difficult to do, put Rennick off balance. Rennick narrowed his eyes, voice drenched in venom. Perhaps I did misjudge. Perhaps you're involved. 
a has-been 5e intelligence director aiding one of his agents in committing an act of treason, covering her tracks, putting up obstacles? You're right. I'm not a part of this agency, but I trained Samantha. You think I can't recognize the absence of evidence that points to blacker-than-black ops that had no time to create a proper cover? Rennick stood straight, looking down at Clark. It is within my power to question members of your organization in regard to the still-active 5E Dauntless investigation, a Navy matter my division has unrestricted access to. Actually, the Naval Special Investigation Division and OS-9 have formed a new partnership. I believe Agents Mori and Sittig were hunting something down about the Dauntless on... Sonali, was it? Clark scoffed, using an angry glower to mask the grin he felt forming. Rennick must not realize how much he had just slipped. Clark had not known Rennick was tapped into OS-9 resources, but now he did. He continued, using his deep reserve of genuine anger to mask his growing satisfaction. Commander Tao, if you can provide some sort of reasonable cause for suspicion or an evidence trail and connect it to a military matter, that would be within your power, yes. Clark locked his fingers together and placed them on the desk, leaning forward as he spoke. But I would caution you to think carefully. You want to accuse and harass a 5e intelligence director in the middle of an imperial crisis based on... I'm sorry, what are you basing these claims on? An inexplicably missing Imperium asset, Rennick said. One of my agents is unaccounted for, yes. And this agency is handling it. It does not warrant this personal attention from you. It's not as if you and her... Clark feigned being struck with an epiphany, allowing his patronizing tone to be set free. Oh, I see. You still thought she was... Rennick. I know it's unfortunate that Samantha, your friend, appears to have made this choice. I presume you were still friends at least. I won't lie, she never really spoke of you. Private person Samantha was. Rennick took a step back from the desk with a sinister, breathy chuckle. Calm washed over his face, everywhere but the eyes. There was the old Rennick regaining his balance. Well then, Director, if you wish to involve our respective organizations, I will have Major Drake issue an order that you transmit all information and control over investigations regarding the Dauntless and Agent Mori to OS-9 in my division. Clark shrugged. Fine. I know Major Drake. We served in uniform together. If he sees fit to send that order, I will have no other option than to comply with what is best for the Empire. Clark leaned forward, his voice low and rough. But, I don't think I'll be hearing from Drake. See, I think this is a personal bruise you're trying to nurse. And if Fleet Marshal Gallo, arguably the most powerful man in the sector, found out one of his new intelligence commanders was using his position to dig up dirt on an old and long-extinguished flame, that would not be a good look for you, Commander. You forget. I served in uniform with Gallo, too. The two men stared at each other across the desk. Clark sat confidently. There was no conclusive evidence about Samantha's deception, other than the knowledge locked in his and Julian's minds. Rennick may have suspected something, but he'd revealed far more during this conversation than he'd gotten out of Clark. Had Rennick stayed calm, kept to the periphery, used his considerable new influence to hunt from the shadows... Maybe he'd have found something Julian had missed, and maybe Rennick would have even fooled Clark into believing that he wasn't a suspect. Not now. Sure, Rennick snooping around Samantha's personnel file as a dejected ex-lover was a possibility, as was a legitimate interest in her activities from the vantage point of his role as a division commander. But add in the fact that Clark knew, 
as would any Imperium conspirators, that Sonali was the location where the evidence linking the Terminus to the Red Kestrels was discovered. That triangulated to a point that was too plausible to ignore. As far as the mission record Rennick claims to have read stated, the Sonali operation had been a dead end. Unless one had already known what might have been discovered and was scrambling to do damage control. Either way, Rennick would need to be blocked. He was one of the last people Clark wanted looking deeper into Samantha for any reason, conspiracy or not. Rennick seemed to have rallied, regaining his sense of tactics. He took a step back, composed again. Apologies, Director. I am concerned about my friend's whereabouts, that is all. I would appreciate being included in the sharing of any information you see fit to authorize. As you said, I too have got a bit of an intelligence incident occupying my thoughts. Just concern for an old friend. Right. Maybe if Rennick had opened with that story, Clark might have bought it. Too late. Of course. I will see that all approved information is made available to both your division and OS9. I'm sure our administrative go-betweens are still getting accustomed to having a new party to keep informed. Rennick smiled, more of a grimace. I will be in touch with your people, Director. Commander. Rennick spun on his heels and stalked out of the office, the door sliding shut behind him. Clark sat back into his chair. He'd known that Samantha's departure would flesh something out. This was exactly the kind of intelligence windfall he had needed to advance the game pieces he still controlled. He leaned forward again and pressed a button on his computer. Agent Birch, locate Agent Siddig and have him report to my office, priority zero. Clark sighed, relaxing back into his chair again, and added a single tick to his column on the mental scoreboard. Clark's office door slid open, Agent Siddig stepping through, computer under one arm, pencil tucked behind his ear. Director Clark, I just had a visit with the newly appointed Commander Tao. He's seen Samantha's status and was very interested. Julian raised a hand to his chin. Ah, how did he appear? Clark scoffed. Rattled. I didn't know he still had such an attachment to her. It has to have been years. Julian nodded. His concern with Samantha is, well, concerning. Though I suppose it is better to have made it accurately apparent. Not only that, he brought a master at arms with him. Clark shook his head in disbelief. I honestly think he presumed he would cart me out of here in restraints. He accused me of covering something up, then threatened to use his new connections with OS9 against us. Julian pulled the pencil from behind his ear, tapping it on his chin. So, he suspects we have information about Samantha's status we are not sharing. This leads me to ask, what did he say his interest regarded? Clark exhaled, replaying the conversation in his mind. He knows her well, and his instincts are sharp most of the time. I don't think he realized what his reaction would say about him. I got the impression he was angry at her, and hurt, that she left him out of whatever he assumes she's doing, and he's got a gut feeling it could bring unwanted attention to him. I think Rennick just proved he's a person of interest. Julian paced across the office, pencil still tapping. He has had access to the fleet marshal's ear for quite some time, and his rank of naval commander does give him permanent authorization to come and go from the terminus as he pleases, unlike his previous civilian role with our agency. And of course, he certainly has no love left for us. He waved toward the office door. The agency, I mean. Clark folded his arms and leaned back in his chair. What is your hypothesis? Too early to say, Julian said with a subtle sigh. 
indicating at the ceiling with his pencil. Clark grunted. There's no one listening. Humor me. Julian raised his eyebrow. Well, Rennick knows of Samantha's interest in the red kestrels as well as anyone. She was on the trail of something that dead-ended in Sonali. While we did not share what we actually found on Eddie Renner's computer, anyone who knows the Dauntless was compromised would also know that Sonali might lead back to the origin of the collaboration, the Terminus, where the duplicate encryption signature was generated. Rennick has worked his way into the Fleet Marshal's organization, which is housed on the decks of the Terminus. As Rennick will have access to OS9's information and hypothesis about a possible Imperium insider, it is no stretch for him to presume Samantha's disappearance might involve a similar hypothesis. But if Rennick is involved with the subject of said hypothesis, then he is just now realizing that Samantha, without her knowing it, is on the hunt for him, Julian said, ceasing to pace and tapping the pencil on his temple, staring at nothing. Clark raised an eyebrow. You don't sound convinced. Julian shrugged and resumed his pacing. Well, Director, there is another factor that confounds things. Ignoring coincidence and synchronicity, we cannot rule out the equally plausible, but far less interesting hypothesis, that this is just the ill-timed, irrelevant tantrum of a jilted lover. Clark wagged a finger at Julian. You know, if Samantha heard you say that, I'd recommend wearing some body armor. Remorse crossed Julian's face. Sadly, Director, given the recent escalations, I do not foresee Samantha being around to hear anything for quite a while. Clark nodded. Maybe. But I'm glad she got out when she did. It gives her and us a chance. We need to know more. If Rennick is this interested in Samantha, any interference is a threat to her success regardless of his motivation. We told her we would work the inside, so let's work it. Rennick is dangerous, either directly or indirectly. Let's do more than just track him. Let's get eyes on him. He will undoubtedly be on high alert, especially after your conversation, Julian said, raising his finger. I don't mind. He'll presume we're monitoring him. Might as well take advantage of that and oblige. Let's put the obvious stuff on him. Just enough standard surveillance so we'll notice. We probably won't get anything of value, but finding no tracks where you know someone has tread is a good indicator of someone covering up their tracks too neatly. Julian pressed his lips together and nodded. Director, if this trend of operation against our supposed allies continues, I fear we may need to form a new agency composed entirely of our own people. Clark chewed on the notion. Agent Siddig, you may be right. We do need some more help. I think it's time for us to activate our friend aboard the Terminus. Julian held his pencil to his chin. Us as in the agency, or us as in us? Clark shrugged. Us as in you. Julian nodded. Sir, they will not be aware their activation is unofficial. They will be, without realizing it, working for a rogue operation. Clark exhaled, sitting with the notion for a moment. They're already in deep cover aboard the Terminus. That means they're already willing to step around the rules. Doing it this way helps protect them the same way we helped Samantha, by keeping their efforts out of the system. It has to be done. We've got a bit of an intelligence incident on our hands. So much for following rules and regs. Hey everybody, Eric here. I hope you like episode 23. You know, this was a, a fun one where it's a showdown between Clark and Rennick, you know, a battle with words, you know, the, the veteran spy versus the, the new commander in the Naval Special Investigation Division. 
kind of having their confrontation and you know what happens from here we'll just have to see i don't think rennick's gonna be too happy this episode sort of exemplifies something i'm doing with the dauntless gambit which is having characters have plans and come up with solutions that quickly become unraveled and their goal is to just come up with a new plan and a new potential solution quicker than the previous one unravels so it's not so much about you know characters um doing stupid things and having their plans fall apart it's just that they have to outrun the the plot that's coming up behind them like um being chased by a bear they only have to be faster than the next slowest plot point coming up in episode 24 we return to the matilda crew and catch up with decker and samantha and what's going to happen with them on mintarid and this is kind of the fun and games part you know the first half of act two where a lot of cool stuff's going to happen and you know the plot's going to evolve and so is the story as we approach the midpoint which is going to be episode 30 which i'm just getting ready to rewrite and get to the editor so that's going to be a lot of fun um if you like the story you know send me an email eric at ericflowers.com or tweet at me just you know contact me somehow let me know what you like Rate the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, if uh, that's kind of the only place you can rate it. Go to Amazon, type in The Dauntless Gambit and, you know, see what's there. We got the audio book up on Audible, so that's a lot of fun and send it to your friends. And uh, otherwise, I will catch you in a few days for episode 24.